and we're Kerber's Kids. The Kids Talk, your monthly graphic novel review. We head over to our literary aisle where we will delve into our story, both illustratively and written, of Kingdom Come. Arlando, there's our literary aisle. On our literary aisle, we are looking at a vision. And that is of Alex Ross, the collaboration that he would have with Mark Wade on the story. And then the absolutely gorgeous visual storytelling that Alex Ross would present to us through his painting. And this is truly uh, something unique in comics. And just to give a little bit of background for the story. The setting for Kingdom Come takes place some 20 years into the future of the year that it began publication. So we're looking at those modern uh, superheroes up to this point, and then you just advanced 20 years. And in that time, these older, more established superheroes have gone into retirement, which then gives rise to a new generation of anti-heroes. Hmm, gee, sound familiar? (laughs) <laughs> mimicking basically what was happening in the comic book industry at the time. But these anti-heroes didn't uphold the same noble values as their predecessors. Now, Wade and Ross wrote Kingdom Come, essentially, as I alluded to before, as an indictment against the growing trend of violent anti-hero archetypes that really had dominated, that, like you had chronicled there, JJ, the late, mid, late 80s into the 90s, early 90s. It got to be a bit too much. And the success of this series really is a tribute to Ross and Wade's vision and having their pulse truly on the market to know that, yeah, you know what? The market was looking for a, a bit of a, of a relief valve, if you will, a, a steam kettle to blow so they could get an alternative to the menu of, of grim and, and dark that they had been fed for almost nearly a decade by this time. Yeah, I think what really attracts me to this story is the ability to see through the eyes of Norman McKay, who's, mm-hmm. the, who's the narrator, where, where he's... He gets, as a preacher, he gets an apocalyptic vision. Um, and this is passed on to him by the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dodds, who was known for having prophetic dreams. And I just want to touch on this one point to kind of kick off the discussion about Wade's knowledge of the DC characters and his understanding to be able to take that little subtlety of bringing somebody as so seemingly inconsequential as Wesley Dodds and making him like the touchstone that 
from which the whole story springs. And with all of these heroes and, and villains around, you know, these big bombastic scenes, you've got this mild preacher, Norman McKay, who is witness to all of this. And he's going to be helping the specter, essentially passing judgment on this approaching apocalypse. The specter being so far removed from having a human host that he can no longer make that connection and pass judgment wisely. And so here's this, you know, reluctant character in Norman. I mean, think about the name, Norman, normal man. I mean, just the subtlety and the, and the choices that Wade makes here are are wonderful. And you can read this book over and over and peel away another layer every time. Going so far as to the primary antagonist, well, maybe not antagonist in this case, but one of the primary characters here is named Magog, a name which goes back and has very biblical tones to it as, you know, depending on Georgian you're dealing with, but a force which must be overcome. In this case, Magog is probably the epitome of the the grim dark characters who has no compunctions about killing whatsoever and really doesn't hold back where Batman did and is actually able to kill the Joker after he commits a mass murder of the Daily Planet staff. I mean, it's like, this is ground-shaking. I mean, this is like monumental stuff. It is. It is. And, and, and JJ, there is, there is so much depth that Wade provides to this story. Just to circle back for, for a second, I was completely blown away by Wade's use of Wesley. The fact that he would invoke Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. And at this point over at DC, you had the Vertigo imprint going full steam. Okay, so so this is more adult, more dark. And the the fact that he would go to a Golden Age character who then, ultimately, Neil Gaiman, from a mythological perspective, would weave the Wesley Dodds character in with Morpheus because you had Dream come in. And then Dream was helping to cause Wesley Dodds to have these, these very vivid visions and dreams and things of this nature. So, so weaving that continuity in here, but in an Elseworlds title, I thought was quite clever. Then to have in here the the number 93 jj uh, there were 93 people that were killed at the daily planet and when you do looking at numerology uh, the number 93 is represented by a closed fist so here you've got wade and i don't know if he consciously chose that but but i'm telling you i think most of what wade was doing here was quite deliberate and, and to emphasize that violence in here that the joker committed that and then to have this you know anti-hero here magog rise up and do the things that the old guard wouldn't do oh man it, it, it was game on from that point and that just absolutely sucked me into the story i was already there on the first page witnessing the art and we'll deal with the art shortly here 
But just from a story narrative perspective, I was just grinning from ear to ear going, oh, Mark Wade, you are clever. This, this is some amazing storytelling and weaving. And, and yeah, I, I 100% agree with you, JJ, on the use of normal man or Norman McKay. And the fact that he also made Norman a, an elderly pastor, <laughs> so much the better. So much the better. This is this is really inspired storytelling and the the use of the specter too. Just just brilliant. Just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I I'm trying to remember if memory serves the character the the visual of the character is based on I want to say Alex's dad. Or Alex's. Mm. I'm trying to bring it out of my uh, the depths of my memory, if the, if that's the case. And that was kind of one of the one of the little tidbits. I was able to find corroboration here that Clark Ross, father of artist Alex Ross, posed for Norman McKay. There we go. Wow. Wow. So truly, the father passing judgment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my. So. Oh so, my. Let's just paint the story here that happens. I mean, yes. that, that that example with the Joker and the you know it really kind of sets the stage for what comes next, which is in an altercation with an, uh, a group of of heroes fighting the parasite. The parasite manages to make a kink or you know rip a hole in Captain Adam's suit, which basically releases. Uh, a nuclear explosion and therefore irradiates you know most of the midwest and makes it a a ghost land as a result of that uh, wonder woman coaxes clark kent superman to come back and do you see what's going on in your absence right this is without you as a role model this is the direction that things have taken so he comes back and he reforms the justice league and they start trying to rehabilitate the other heroes, bringing them on board, and going about things in the in the proper way, so to speak. But Batman is far from on board with this, and this is this is a classic, you know, the clash of their two approaches. You know, Batman and Superman. Batman is saying, "Look, you you've been gone for ten years. Now you're coming back, and you expect every, you know everybody to kowtow to you and and you know hunky dory, you know." Forget it, right? And basically, he's you know collecting his own entourage of of heroes. And what you've kind of got brewing here is another civil war. And now, mind you, this is 1996. This is 10 years before Marvel does Civil War, when you've got you know Iron Man and Captain America standing off on two sides of things. Well, here you've got. Batman just kind of closing off Gotham and saying, I'll take care of things in here. You worry about the rest of the world. And Superman, you know, coming in and doing his thing. Well, meanwhile, Lex Luthor has to get into the act as well. And so it just it just makes for an incredibly tense, roiling situation that keeps marching towards the tipping point. And I don't want to go much further than that, but the way that Wade utilizes the characters that he does, who sides with whom, and everything about that 
the relationship between Wonder Woman and Superman, which, you know, as a long time as as a long time comic book fan, always seemed obvious to me, but <laughs> but nobody ever really did anything about and here's wade going sure this is an elseworld i can do whatever i want really taking yeah, he that actually, to heart yeah exactly he actually pulled the trigger on what all of us as a comic book audience were thinking all along which i think is great absolutely um, yeah yeah and, and and aligning those personalities i mean you, you truly have to be a comic book historian to to understand the deep-seated nature of some of these relationships and the complexity of them, too, over time. And again, although this is Elseworlds, I, I really feel that Wade tapped into that very rich DC legacy and just did a brilliant job of superhero alignment uh, between both the Batman and Superman camps in here. And you know, the uh, desire to go insular, like what Batman saying, hey, look, you know, I got Gotham, I'll handle it. it but, then, but then you've had superheroes such as Wonder Woman and Superman who think about not only the world, but the galaxy. They're, they're, they are more, quote, universal. They, they look at, a, at meta threats more so. So I also like that alignment, too, based on geography and worldview. Both looking outward and inward, as well as obviously the complex personalities that are presented here amongst all the different members here of, of the Justice League. Well, and again, playing to the strengths of DC, Wade is Wade is making sure that the DC triumvirate, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, are key players in this, and I think it's due to Wade's treatment of the character and Alex's Marvel Shazam, you know, gain the popularity that he did as a result of his role in this story. And I don't want to go too much further than that. I encourage people to go and read it. But I definitely think this was the point when everybody goes, oh, yeah, Captain Marvel's cool. Yeah, JJ, it's funny. I I always viewed, and maybe this was because I was so Marvel centric uh, growing up. Other than being a big Batman fan and discovering a Batman through Power Records and Neil Adams' actually depiction of Batman in particular, I absolutely captivated me as a kid. But I, I wasn't a big uh, Superman fan. Other than going to the movie, see Chris Reeve there up on the big screen or a reader of uh, Superman comics and much less Captain Marvel Shazam other than the, the live action version that would come to us on Saturday mornings. It was on TV as along with uh, the mighty ISIS. So, you know, my context for Shazam such Captain Marvel was one of, Oh yeah. Okay, fine. You know, complimentary character. I suppose I really don't know much about him. I guess he's what Superman light or what is he supposed to be here? Man, I got to tell you, I, although now, further along in my comic book reading, once I've you know gotten back into uh, comics, I've you know read now many titles uh, of which uh, the latter versions of Captain Marvel, otherwise known as Shazam, I've enjoyed the most. And now it's so refreshing to see what what the spark, where the mm -hmm. spark came from. 
very clearly it's in this book mm-hmm. where that spark came from and i'm i'm so thankful to wade and ross for making this character matter more mm-hmm. I, I i i couldn't agree with you uh anymore jj in, in that department and again won't divulge specifics because this this if you haven't read this book you go you need to just go do it uh you have to just for the art alone but but you'll 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 get drawn in by the art but you'll stay for the story because the story is so compelling absolutely so jj why don't we head into the art because we've kind of been dancing around it quite a bit here uh, and 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 giving a lot of compliments, but saying, "Hey, we're going to hold off." But I, I just want to kick us off uh, immediately when I, I viewed this as a, a brand new reader this year of Kingdom Come. I was like, "Well, well, the, the, Alex Ross, this guy is the Norman Rockwell of the comic book industry." <laughs> and sure enough, to no surprise to to anyone, particularly those who are devout Alex Ross fans. I would then go to find out that, well, guess what? Ross was also heavily influenced by the works of Norman Rockwell. Rockwell's impact was so great that the lighting and composition of certain Rockwell works form the basis of the covers of Ross's comic book series, Kingdom Come. There you go. He says, I idealized people like Rockwell who drew in that photorealistic style. When I was 16 or so, I said to myself, and again, this is Ross, I want to see that in a comic book. And wow, don't we ever in Kingdom Come. Right. I mean, he has taken it to possibly the furthest end of the spectrum within within comics, within the medium of the created image, um, to be as realistic and rendered and naturalistic as possible. I think the thing that has always set him apart from most illustrators is that when he one he works from reference material just like Norman Rockwell which means he had photos he had images that he was working from and and Ross generally takes his own photos creates his own lighting situation and and he's a big fan of dramatic lighting if you've ever seen some of the photo references that he works from there's always a very strong light source very close to the character to create very bright highlights and very dark shadows but he also often dresses his models in a way that you can see the clothing on them that gets translated to the printed page. So Superman looks like he's wearing a, you know, his super suit. You know, Wonder Woman looks like she's wearing armor. You know, Batman is cloaked in dark coats and clothing. There's just so many things that he does to bring the touch of realism to comics. And again, I think he's really at one end of the spectrum where uh, everything's as rendered as it can be. But let's take a look at something like Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel, when he was drawn by C.C. Beck, you, you know, would have the squinty eyes, right? You, you would rarely see, like, his eyes. And 
what he managed to do was when he drew Captain Marvel, he always lit him from above to create dark shadows under his eyebrows and therefore give him the same squinty effect that you would get from C.C. Beck. Wow. Now that's some implementation of technique. Okay, pardon the bad pun, but quite enlightening, JJ. Uh, <laughs> as far as that's concerned, because I, 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 I have to say, when taking in the story, Cap Marvel, Shazam looks way different than anyone else in the book. Mm-hmm. And that, sure enough, is, is the difference. Because when looking at the other characters here, when taking in wonder woman and superman it almost looks like they're being illuminated from the floor upward so so the you know the jaw lines are very distinct they're there it's almost like a an effect where light is pouring on them and then they're radiating out as where what you just pointed out there with with cat marvel shazam it's one of light coming down and then you're seeing the the shadows uh, happening. Yeah, th- that is that is that's pretty cool. That is very very cool actually. Yeah, and and everything he's done has has that that sense of process, right? It's not a he will go through and do thumbnails and work out the composition, and then from the thumbnails he'll establish what scenes. He needs references for. He'll get those references. He'll get the models. He'll, he'll they'll take the pictures, and then he'll begin rendering them on the page. Now, uh, as a, as a new fan of that process, you actually did a little bit of digging yourself into the approach that he used. Yeah, I- indeed, and I I was completely ignorant of what utilizing you know gauche paint would would end up doing, and. It, it's it's not watercolor, but it's not acrylic. It, it, it's kind of an in betweener, and just the 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 brushstroke work and the more forgiving nature of utilizing gouache paint, which is a water based paint, vice using watercolors, which are can be really temperamental uh, at times. The the gouache paint is a little more forgiving. It allows for more layering and depth to happen. It's more opaque. So therefore, when you do see the, these lights, you can develop greater contrast. So I, I was completely blown away at the amount of light that was being portrayed on these pages and the multiple colors that were layered on top of one another here. Uh, when, when you have some of these transition lines of yellows into oranges, into reds, when you're looking at Superman's outfit, the different shades of blue that are created and looks like light is hitting his suit at different angles. I, I, I just completely blown away by this going how is ross pulling this off because these are all paintings folks we're not talking penciling inking and coloring these are full-blown paintings some of these paintings take up an entire what we would call a splash page some of them are horizontal 
Others are really clever dividing up of a page into unconventional panel layouts and having these paintings interwoven in, in, into these panels. It's there is nothing boring mm-hmm. about this book. There is no way you can, as a reader, be complacent in your read of Kingdom Come because. Alex Ross from page to page is constantly switching up the visual presentation to you. And to his credit, Mark Wade's economy of words through the dialogue in this story is exquisite. Mm-hmm. Takes nothing away from Ross's artwork whatsoever. So both Ross and Wade collaborating mm-hmm. on the size of the bubbles and where they would be. And at what point in the story, everything is so tastefully executed. I don't want to say this thing is perfection because I don't believe there's such a thing, but boy, these guys come so close as it relates to a pleasurable reading experience for a comic book enthusiast. Right. Now I've played with this, with the, with the, an approach or a method very similar when I was in school. Uh, I used primarily acrylic paints and and I would water my paints down. I also did this with oils, which was a little bit more challenging. But essentially what he does is he renders the entire scene in black and white. What he wants to do and what he does from his references is establish where the light's coming from. And essentially, those are the areas of the page which get no coloring whatsoever. You don't put any black and white on, you don't put any black on there, any shading on there whatsoever. So he's building up from the darkest dark and then leaving areas of white. He then takes these thin gouache paints and then he starts to layer them over his black renderings. And so as he's layering it over some of the gray tones, that's where he starts to put some of the blue of the suit. And as it goes from the gray into the white area, you start to see more of the blue come through. But then what he does is he leaves areas alone and those are the brightest whites. So this is the highlight that you see hitting Superman's suit or emanating from the lightning bolt on Captain Marvel's chest. I mean, there's no color whatsoever there, so you get the pure, brilliant white of the page shining through. And by contrast, it seems to glow because of all of the shadowy areas around it. You know, and that's what he does is he's playing and he's pushing with those contrasts and it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, as you said, he's painting the entire thing. Kudos to Mark Wade to be able to let the images speak for themselves. I mean, you and I have talked before about writers who love to write and it sometimes doesn't matter how good the artist is and they want to get their words out onto the page because that's more important. And I think Wade and Ross have come together in a true collaboration which balances the two, the word and the image, and really is pretty harmonious. Yeah, I agree with you, JJ. And and for the most part, uh, Mark Wade and anything that he's 
done from a collaboration perspective is a very giving collaborator to work with. I am a firm believer that he believes in the power of the collaboration of empowering the visual artist when they're working together to, to bring something to life. And I think what also served this project well was that Alex Ross came with a vision. And what is great about Mark Wade is that he respected that vision, said, you know what, let me compliment it and see what I can do based on my vast DC knowledge of being a true comics historian and enhance your vision for the benefit of the reader and for the betterment of the overall story itself. I, I firmly believe, based on this end product that we've taken in, that Wade viewed this Alex Ross vision inspired project as every decision needs to service or be in service to the Ross vision, which is very strong here. And that comes through from start to finish. One of my best analogies here, because I'm a big music guy, Eric Clapton was interviewed one time and said, you know, it's just as important to know when not to play than when to know what to play and when. And I like the fact that Wade here left a lot of air in this story for the visuals to come through. And like you said, speak for themselves because they're extremely strong by Ross. Amen, brother. So JJ, overall, who would you recommend this story to? And, and what do you think the key takeaways from Kingdom Come are? I think the thing that I've always felt between DC and Marvel is that DC has always had the more mythic heroes, where Marvel has been more down-to-earth. And this series really epitomizes that, because it gives you that normal, Norman, point of view to an approaching apocalypse, and these larger-than-life, these mythic characters all around him. You know, it's, it's, it's almost a battle of heaven and hell uh, on the earthly domain. It is a story for anybody who loves big narratives, epic narratives. Anybody who is a fan of the DC heroes in general, the continuity seeing those heroes in, in a different light, talked about it being Elseworlds. It's for anybody that just loves beautifully rendered art and a fascinating and, and gripping story. There's, there is death and violence, but it's not grotesque and it's not gratuitous. I think it is handled very well. So as far as age group, I would probably go, you know, 13 and up, uh, would be able to understand really what's going on here and appreciate the story. Anybody that's been fans of any of the characters we've talked about, Batman, Superman, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, these, you know, you will gain a lot by reading this and seeing another interpretation of those characters. Well said, JJ. A absolutely well said. And I wholeheartedly endorse your your comments there, a a every every one of them. And 
in how you defined and, and, and shaped this from a recommendation standpoint, I know uh, both you and I, uh, as well as the, the rest of the kids, uh, many of us are, are gamers. And, and I was wondering, after reading this, and you have a, a longer history with this work than I do, uh, have there been a- any sources of inspiration that have been that have been glossed from this work, and then perhaps incorporated into a uh, role playing game? Well, you could. First off, there are so many different role playing games that tackle superheroes as a genre that you know we wouldn't have time to go through them all. You could certainly do this sort of story in any of them. However, there is one game in particular that I think is well-versed to handle a particular aspect of Kingdom Come. The premise of Kingdom Come is the old guard has retired, the new guard is stepping up. And this is essentially the premise of the role-playing game Masks from Magpie Games. This was created by Brendan Conway, and the book is beautifully illustrated with color artwork from artist Michael Lunsford. This is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. For folks that understand what PTBA is, Powered by the Apocalypse is its own kind of endorsement. What it means is it's story forward, and it's not as concerned with the the mechanics and the rolling of the dice and the randomization. Any mechanics and randomization is designed to supplement the storytelling. So the premise of this game is that you're essentially a junior hero. There are older heroes that have held the limelight, you know, and you're the new guard coming in. And so it perfectly frames that tension and that struggle and sometimes animosity between those generations of heroes i've i've played this on a number of occasions it's a fun fast game there's plenty of actual plays out there that folks can get their hands on i would highly recommend this as kind of like something to do and kind of explore a specific aspect of kingdom come that is one heck of an endorsement and very relevant as it relates to the story and plot here for Kingdom Come, and, and I'm actually now intrigued to check out Masks because I I think that if, if there's indeed a story forward uh, way in which to not, not recreate but uh, take a lot of the flavor, if you will, from Kingdom Come here and apply it role playing game situation. That's that's pretty intriguing. So thank you for shining some light here on Masks by Magpie Games. Well, JJ, I have to say this has been uh, quite the journey and mm-hmm. an epic one at that through uh, Kingdom Come. And do you have any last words here for our audience as it relates to this epic work? So apocalyptic works can feel very dark and very heavy and very negative. And it's folks may be scratching their head. Well, if this is such a reaction to the grim dark of the 90s, you know, how is it that an apocalyptic story is supposedly a reaction to that? Well, I think the key factor here is the idea of hope. And I believe that to be one of the key central themes. And it is something that 
is embodied in the Norman McKay character. And again, it's a very well-crafted tale. I encourage folks to, uh, to explore it and, uh, for themselves and see what they think. Kids, exactly.